and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast as we preview game week three. We really are well into our fantasy season by now. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined as ever by the £35 million right-back signing from Barcelona to my £15 million flog-him-off-to-spurs signing. It's Andy Case. Andy, how are you doing? Are you looking forward to game week three? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, no, uh, looking forward to game week three. A little bit more... Um, last week I felt chilled because I knew I wasn't going to make any transfers, so it was going to be what it was going to be and there was nothing I could do about it. Whereas this week, I feel the pressure a bit more. Like, I've got two free transfers. What do I do with it? How do I get the uh, the maximum points? So it, feel, it feels a little bit more intense for me this week. But, um, yeah, no, looking forward to it. You're a little bit more plugged into uh, FPL Twitter and the FPL Cognoscenti than, than I am. Um, is uh, is everyone else feeling the pressure? Is uh, do we really feel as though the season's kind of begun now, and are people starting to panic? Perhaps. Well, I mean, there was a lot of panic last week. Seemed to be quite a lot of chat about wild cards, but there is a bit of chat about wild cards again still this week. Um, yeah, obviously a, a few people are in the same boat as me with having obviously I think the two free transfers, but but also yeah, a lot of chat about about wild cards. So there seems to be a lot of panic and a, and a lot of on. People unsure about obviously like the volatility of, of prices going up and down and stuff, which I think we might get into a bit at some point. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, it, it can be a very useful place, the FPL Twitter community, but sometimes a little bit of an echo chamber as well. Excellent. Yeah, I did see one tweet today which, which, which outlined how much of an echo chamber it can be. Anyway, let's crack on. And as you alluded to, we might end up talking a little bit about price rises in the show. So as always on our preview pods, we'll kick off by running down the week's fixtures by talk, and then we'll start talking about the week's talking points. Then we're going to highlight some players on the radar. We have tried to narrow it down this week compared to our first two weeks. So hopefully we'll just have a select few players to be talking about. We'll take a quick break and then we've got a player... Uh, to talk about in our stats versus eye test then we'll have a look at captaincy and then we'll finish off with our little game called who the heck is stat andy how does that sound to you yeah good let's let's go let's crack on then so first game on saturday reminder that this is the first game is at 12 30 so the deadline is 11 o'clock so the first game is brighton man united followed by crystal palace everton then west brom chelsea rounding off saturday evening with burnley southampton Sunday's fixtures start with a Yorkshire derby. It's Sheffield United versus Leeds. Then on to Spurs versus Newcastle. Man City versus Leicester is the 4.30 kickoff. And the final one on Sunday evening, West Ham versus Wolves. And then on Monday evening, we round off with Fulham versus Aston Villa. And then Liverpool Arsenal rounds off game week three. So, Andy, let's start with some talking points. And there seems to have been quite a lot of sort of price shifts in FPL. This week, presumably as ever, down to changes of ownership. Quite volatile, I think, was a word that you used um, in our intro just now. Um, what is kind of perhaps your strategy when it comes to sort of price rises? Do you try and get on players early before they change, or are you kind of a more of a wait and see person and you're happy to take that, you know, point point one of a million, perhaps even point two of a million over time? Um, that that hit. So I'd say, like, for me personally, generally, I'm more of a wait-and-see um, type of person. I think in, in terms of what's best to do, you've got to kind of judge every situation on its on its own merits a bit. Like, So a good example this week is De Bruyne. Um, a lot of people would have probably been thinking about getting him in anyway, and uh, that obviously did happen. Um, 
quite heavily, particularly after his performance in, in City's game, which meant that he, he had a price rise. And so I've kind of been stung there a little bit in that I've held off and um, I had always planned to get him in and now his price has kind of gone, gone up. So that impacts how much flexibility I have with the rest of the money to do other moves elsewhere. Um, I, I still... I, I'm relatively happy with that as a decision, though, although it's a little bit frustrating in the short term. I think long term, I generally try to kind of, if something had happened, like obviously we don't know yet, but City are playing tonight um, in, in the in the Carabao Cup. You'd think it's unlikely that, that, that De Bruyne plays, but if he if he does, even if he only plays for a little bit of the game, gets some kind of injury or another City asset that plays and that affects um, potentially De Bruyne's position, um, you know, in the team, not necessarily whether he starts, but where he might play and how City might play, then that can influence decisions you might want to make about transfers and stuff. So generally, I do try to 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 kind of hold off. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think that injury point that, that that you make is really interesting. That's always been been one that I've been sort of cautious about. And uh, you know, as we've said before on 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 the FPL Lounge podcast, I am a fairly cautious FPL player. But I think I do want to hear team news, especially. Yeah, you know, and you don't want if there are midweek fixtures, particularly for Man City's case, uh, perhaps in the Champions League later in the season. Maybe you wouldn't necessarily want to make a big move until you've made sure that that uh, that the player that you're looking to get in has got through that game unscathed. Let's perhaps flip it on its head then a little bit and perhaps talk about um, price drops and 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 getting rid of players before their price drops too much. Um, I guess you know we are only two weeks into the FPL season. It's it's still fairly fresh and. But some of the players that we might have thought you know, would hit the ground running perhaps haven't, and then subsequently their price drops. Are you one of these people then that that, that really looks to get rid of those, or do you think that that's a good tactic uh, in order to you know, ultimately bank more money in the long term, or is it something whereby you know perhaps if you had to get rid of one of those players but also take a hit, you would perhaps maybe hold on to them um, even though they're perhaps not performing at the level that you would have expected when you selected them ahead of game week one. Yeah, so again, I think it's a, it's a you've got to take it obviously in each situation um, and make your decisions based on on the circumstances. But I think that is this is possibly an area where I would be keen to to get rid of them earlier to avoid that price drop. If I'm sure that they're not going to be in my team, then there isn't really any downside other than you do have to make a decision about who you're going to bring in instead and that can influence the other tactical decisions like I said before about who to bring in so so it kind of they kind of go together in some way but yeah if I'm sure a player I don't want a player in my team then there's kind of no risk even if there even if something happens midweek that should you know if, if you're happy with your decision that, and you're, you're, you you feel like your decision is based on sound evidence, then one good performance in a cup game in the midweek or whatever shouldn't necessarily um, influence that too much if you're kind of like looking to get rid of a player, I think. So, yeah, the the um, an example would be, I mean, I've, I've taken, there's loads of t- players in my team who have had a price drop already, even just this season, and Havertz is, is kind of a good example there where um, he, he has dropped, but... And I haven't been convinced really by by his performances so far. I, I have been considering get, getting rid of him even this week with my free transfers. But what's keeping me sort of holding holding on to him is is the fact that they've got West Brom this week. They've got a reasonable run of fixtures coming up, Chelsea. And if he gets a chance to play through the middle a bit more, especially when Ziyech and Pulisic come back, then he could his price could suddenly kind of rocket up again, and you could be getting good returns from him um, in terms of fantasy points as well. So. I've decided decided to kind of hold hold on on him and um, 
you just kind of suck it up with the, with the with the price drop but then you know that doesn't affect me too much because if i'm not going to get him out i'm not feeling the 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 the, the cost of that anyway because i i wouldn't be recouping his money so yeah you got you got to you've got to look at what your kind of plan is and, and, and judge whether you're going to make that move early or not on, on the situation. Yeah. No, no, no worries. And yeah, I think I, uh, I think I feel pretty similar. I, I know that there's a few players in my team that have definitely taken, taken a bit of a drop. Kai Havertz being one of them, but, but there are a few more. And I guess you just have to make that call, whether you think it's worth holding on to those players or, or whether, you know, that you really haven't seen anything from them. Um, you know, at least in Kai Havertz's case, you know, he, he had a good performance in the league cup. Um, and was unfortunate, I think, to get subbed against Liverpool, but because they were down to ten men, otherwise he would have probably played the full game and, or at least, you know, more than sixty minutes. And who knows what might have happened? But, um, but, 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 yeah, you know, if if, if you bring bring a player in at the start of the season and then they're on the bench and not getting many minutes, and then it's, uh, and then their price drops, perhaps it is time to time to jump ship in that case. Let's move on then to discuss some players on the radar. As I said at the top of the show, uh, we have narrowed these down quite significantly this week. We're not going to talk about 15 players. We're going to talk about just five. And I think even then, maybe just focusing on, in, in on three. Let's start then with uh, an FPL darling of seasons gone by. Let's start with the postman, the man that you've dubbed the postman, because he always delivers, Raul Jimenez. Um perhaps, I mean, we had a debate about whether we'd include him in players on the radar, a, a little bit of a debate because he's got fairly high ownership and you kind of know what you're going to get with him. But Wolves' fixtures sort of led us to want to include him. Um, and, you know, even, even if he is owned by you know, fairly few, a fairly high chunk of FPL managers, still seeming to be quite a large proportion that perhaps don't and aren't perhaps seeing what, what we're seeing with him. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean that, that even even if he has got a reasonable proportion of, of ownership compared to some others, you know, overall almost eighty percent, you know, don't don't own him, and and also um, he uh, it, it, a lot of that ownership will be people who have bought him in 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 recent days and and the week last week, right? So yeah, he's definitely worth talking about in this sense because he he wasn't someone in my, I I was looking at necessarily, and we haven't really talked about him that much in players on the radar in 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 previous in previous weeks. So he, but now with two in two, so like before the season, we we were kind of sort of saying, is he worth the, the, we were thinking, is he worth the significant price rise? Can Wolves have another season like that where they perform well again? Um, but you know, two in two, including one against City, um, he's look, he's been at very much a focal point of their attack. He's getting in good positions. Yeah, he looks like, and obviously Wolves have got absolutely fantastic fixtures, run of fixtures coming up. So he looks like a really, really good prospect and um, could could be someone who will bring you a lot of returns over the next few weeks. He's de- if, if I haven't made my moves yet for this week, if I can make it happen, I might well get him in. Um, I, I really, really want to get him in. Uh, it's just whether I can get him and KDB. I think I might be struggling, but I, he's someone I'd absolutely recommend, I think. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I feel very similarly, similarly about him. Um, and then one more Wolves player that we'll just briefly touch on is, is, is Semedo. They brought him in this week, obviously, naturally, therefore, he's got very low ownership at this stage. He has 5.5 million, but alluded to him at the top of the show, saying that he's a £35 million signing from Barcelona. You think he's going to be, um, you know, when he's match fit, and I guess that remains to be seen, you think he's going to be, one of the first names on, on Wolves' team sheet with that kind of ped- pedigree and after that amount of outlay on him. Um, and we all know what Wolves' wing-backs can bring in terms of 
fantasy pedigree. So very much on our radar, but I don't think we're going to be clamouring in to get him in at least this week. Yeah, I don't need to repeat it, basically, but you've, you've summed it up nicely there. He's on Wolves have got great fixtures. Their team allows for great attacking outputs for, for right for right wing backs. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does. Let's then I'll let you talk a little bit more then about two Man City players that we've potentially got on our radar. We've mentioned Kevin De Bruyne slightly already, um, but let's mention two more and I'll give you the floor then with Phil Foden and Raheem Sterling. Yeah, well, um, obviously City looked good going forward um, the other the other um, night. We we spoke a bit pre-season about how we were thinking Foden, and you've mentioned it on one of the pods about how you we thought Foden was going to be straight in both our teams with with the price he is. If 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 we can be sure he's a nailed on starter, I mean as much as anyone's a nailed on starter in a Pep Guardiola team, but if we can be sure he's going to start the majority of games, then at 6.5 million, the amount of chances he's going to sort of create and get in that City team, it's it's just an, almost a no-brainer. So again, obviously logistically getting him in um, might be difficult and I think this is probably naturally why we've ended up with fewer, fewer players on the radar because we're not talking about the start of the season where you can change your team completely like you know everyone's in this situation where you're having to prioritize one or two transfers unless you're on wild card right so I'm still kind of just waiting I guess feeling it out a little bit for me to sort of see with him how often he is going to start um but if if it if it appears like he is he is relatively regularly in the first 11 then um yeah an any an attacking player for man city being 6.5 million is just like gold dust potentially and i mean at five points a goal as well being classified as obviously like a midfielder it yeah it could be obscene returns for that money do we think that i mean i, I you know, i'm asking you to get into pep Guardiola's head but obviously in the in the last game that he started he did end up basically as a bit of a sort of right winger forward type player there seems to be some thinking that he might be a little bit deeper perhaps when Mares comes back and perhaps when Ferran Torres is a little bit more bedded into the team do you think that I mean I assume that would definitely hurt his FPL potential especially if they kind of turn him into a bit more of a deep lying playmaker um, and keep Kevin De Bruyne in, in that 10 role I mean if Kevin De Bruyne is in the 10 role then um yeah, it's going to be point city, you'd, you'd, you'd think. So, so yeah, I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons why we're a little bit more tentative on Foden, perhaps? Yeah, see, I'm not sure. I think there's an argument where it actually plays in his favour because I think what we saw last season was De Bruyne played a little bit deeper when he was one of the three in midfield and there was kind of two attacking and one defensive midfielder in that three. And the reason De Bruyne was playing as number 10 um against Wolves was because, well, he said that the manager had said they wanted to press Wolves higher and get at them, but also they wanted that security in midfield, so they play with two defensive midfielders. Now, I don't know if City are going to regularly play with both Rodri and Fernandinho or with two defensive midfielders. I wouldn't be surprised if at home against Leicester this week, they start with just one of those two, and perhaps we see Foden and De Bruyne in central midfield. Now, that could take away from De Bruyne's um, kind of fantasy points because they could be playing like as two eights as in both of them kind of going forward and back Foden and De Bruyne or if they want to play with a number 10 still uh, I would imagine it's De Bruyne who probably comes a bit deeper and I'd imagine he'd play Foden as the further forward one so I guess we're not talking about De Bruyne right now but I guess that just flags up some some potential um, you know downside for De Bruyne there, although I don't think there's really any. I still think he's going to create and score, even if he's a bit deeper. But for Foden, actually, the fact that he's not on the right there could actually end up kind of benefiting him um, if he's if he's um, 
you know, going into some more central attacking spaces, he might only increase his assist and, and goal potential. And then a quick mention then for Raheem Sterling. He still has a very low ownership and did get a return um, in Man City's first game of the season. So I guess just a brief mention for him. He still presumably has the fantasy pedigree that that, that he's had for, for, for the last few seasons gone by. Well, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if you've got the um, the ownership there in front of you, I th- I th- but I know that the, that um, Sterling is significantly, you know, way way under owned compared to what he's been in like previous seasons. I will look it up while you're while you're talking about him. Yeah, um, and given his points returns, I, oh here I've just found it five point five percent owned. I mean, Raheem Sterling was consistently twenties, thirties, forties percent ownership. Um, last season and um, yeah I mean his price is actually cheaper now he started last season at 12 mil I think and he's 11.5 this year so he looked in good form um, towards the end of last season and over over the summer so in some ways it's surprising that he's that kind of um, low owned and I think he's on the radar in the sense that he's obviously like a very attacking player for for City and he could well um, you know score plenty of goals and get plenty of assists um so i think a lot of people are looking at it as a choice between him and de bruyne which is what with de bruyne on pens and like we've just talked about him being number 10 in the last game you know that that makes you lean towards de bruyne and i can understand that because i probably will go de bruyne this week over sterling but it's just you know on the, he's on the radar that's the point of this section that we're talking about now right if you know if for whatever reason de bruyne is a bit more withdrawn sterling um and it starts, you know, showing showing us that that consistent form continues, then he he could be a, a a really good option. Yeah. And then one more player, and I guess just a quick question for you: How many rooms in your house does Tarek Lamptey have a statue in? <laughs> well, look, I mean, we don't want to sound too repetitive, but the reason I've suggested Tarek Lamptey to be on the radar this week is not just because I am obsessed with him, although I am. Um, it's because I think he played quite well against Chelsea. He played even better against Newcastle. He's playing obviously United this week. And I think that is, that it's going to be overall, just generally, it's going to be a very interesting game that Brighton have looked decent defensively. You obviously United have not looked very good at all in that, albeit only one game. I think it could be, um, it could be, well, it's going to be interesting for both teams. I want to see, you know, will Lamptey attack United as much as he attacked Newcastle? Will United actually create anything against a Brighton defence that have looked quite good, quite solid um, so far? Um, yeah, I think if, if Lamptey has a, even a decent game, if not a great, you know, game this week, he's only going to be considered in more people's teams. And, and I put it like this to you before, Chris, that... If I had a wild card, if I was wildcarding right now, and when I eventually do, when the transfer window shuts, I think I'm going to absolutely be putting Lamptey in my team ultimately, if as long as his price doesn't go up too much, because he looks, you know, Brighton looked good for a few clean sheets this season, and he personally looks great in terms of going forward and potentially maybe even like getting assists and stuff. So, uh, you know, we don't want to be repetitive, but this is players on the radar, and he's absolutely a player on on, on our radar at the moment. Yeah, I guess I guess with those four and a half million defenders or four and a half million very cheap assets anyway, and particularly considering he is such a young player, you do 
want to see it over the more than just two games, and I think that's completely fair. Also worth just pointing out, he does his official FPL designation for this week is that he has a knock, um, but his price hasn't risen yet. So, so he's definitely one to to perhaps maybe not reach for just yet. But I, but I th- and I think that's why um, we do keep mentioning him because he's very much on our radar. But I think we're just looking looking for that opportune moment to 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 to, to bring him in. Well, in that case, let's have a quick break and then we'll be back to uh, to do stats versus eye test. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, as we have mentioned, Andy and I got together last weekend and we watched some football and we watched Crystal Palace absolutely tear Andy's beloved Manchester United apart. However, we don't think that the performance was particularly compelling from Crystal Palace and partly maybe down to the, down to the state of the game and partly down to um you know just 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 the fact that they're not actually going to be that good um but Wilfred Zaha was a player that caught the eye in a way i think that he could make a decent fantasy option for players for the you know pure reason that if Crystal Palace's good form continues and they do score goals, that Zaha is going to be heavily involved in those goals. He's going to create assists. He's going to get goals. I think he took the penalty after Jordan Ayew missed. It'd be interesting to see if uh, if Ayew takes Palace's next penalty. Um, but the stats don't really back that up, and I think that that's completely fair, Andy. But while Palace are doing okay, surely Zaha would be a decent fantasy option. Well, look, yeah, I mean, just to clarify something before, obviously, the thousands of people who listen to this uh, get in touch with us to 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 kind of criticise us. Quick, quick, Chris said that um, we didn't think Crystal Palace's performance was great. I mean, I thought they they played well. They they had obviously a very good game plan, and that you know they've they've had a good game plan in both their games um, so far this season, and they they are they are doing well. I thought, you know, with, with all due respect. On the on the barometer of what Crystal Palace can expect from their season, they they performed very well against Man United. Um, however, yeah, in terms of Zaha, I can see what you're what you said, Chris, about him being you know there he's playing more central. It looks like he might be on pens now. Um, yeah, they 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 they're playing counter attacking football. It seems Crystal Palace, so he's obviously a, a good option there. He's quick and he he. He, a lot goes through him, but I just think for me, I've seen this this from Zaha, albeit you know playing in a slightly different position, maybe a little bit more on the left. But I've seen this from Zaha a lot over fantasy seasons, and he can be streaky and get you g- good points in your team for a few weeks, but then go ages and ages and ages without scoring or assisting. Um, and you know his stats this season are, are pumped up by a very dubious penalty, um, uh, obviously dubious in the first place penalty and then right retaken from you know barely anything off the line so i think you got to be you got to be careful there a little bit i mean his his um he 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 missed a few a couple of decent chances against against southampton when maybe he should have scored as well um 
So I think, yeah, it's, it's not it's not someone I would be going for. The stats would be saying to me, I mean, like his his XG is okay, but as I say, that's pumped up by a penalty, and he, you know, some of that is actually good at chances that he didn't actually take um, in that in that first game against Southampton. So, I yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced that that at his price, when you could have say a Foden or a Hames or a Greenwood for sort of similar prices, they they'd be better options for me. Do you think it's almost perhaps more down to um, perhaps people's prospects for Palace's season? I mean, they were one of the favourites for relegation you know, early doors, and obviously they've come out and, and started the season pretty well, and you know, Roy Hodgson's known for, for having teams organised. I think I made a statement um, that I won't be getting too excited about any team that still plays Scott down at central defence. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I wonder if it's more to do with, with Palace than Zaha, but equally, like you say, um, you know, Zaha for me is the sort of player that will score three and three. You'll bring him in and he'll go seven without a goal and probably seven without an assist at the same time. So, so yeah, I feel like many fantasy managers might have been burned before. And, and, and despite the fact that, you know, in terms of, his points output for the season. He's got the second most points among midfielders and um, he's going to be in the top 10, you'd imagine, for points overall. Um, he's not in the top five transferred in this week. So maybe that's why. Well, he might not be in the top five transferred in this week, but he has had a price rise, hasn't he? So some so something, some people obviously must, must there's something that's caused that. He must be kind of um, in, in a lot more people's thinking. I mean, do you... Do you as you're the one here, Chris, I'm hoping you know make going to make a case a l- little bit more because I think we've we've probably been a bit more negative than positive on him in this stats vi test. Is there anything you can say about how he's playing this season? Maybe like you know um, the role he's playing for Crystal Palace compared to how he you know the role he's played in in previous seasons that might make more of a case for him. Um, yeah. I think he 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 is with all seasons they're they're, they're talisman, frankly, and I think. That you know, without looking deep into the stats, and I think you know, we, we, we did have a look at, at his heat map a little bit, and he does seem to be playing slightly more centrally than perhaps he would have done um, in previous seasons, which might mean that ultimately he'll get more touches in the box and might be a bit more involved, and you know, not just trying to take people on on the outside, which I think is 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 are all positive things for his fantasy output. I think my case for him really would be if Palace continue to do well, he's going to be at the forefront of the reason why, just because he is probably far and away their best player. I think when we were talking about um, Palace at the start of the season, or at least Zaha at the start of the season, we were kind of of the opinion that, you know, maybe he's worthwhile while he's at Palace. If he got a move, there's no way I'd touch him because I just don't think he's going to be as important to any other side. So so while he's at Palace, and if he remains at Palace post, post-transfer post window, I do think I might be tempted with him because I don't think... I, I, I take your point on price, but I still think for his potential output, if Palace are doing well... You know, if Palace are... You know, when's the transfer window? Transfer window shots in two weeks, right? If Palace are like sixth or above, then they'll have carried on doing well they might look very organised. I still think that they've got some some good players actually um, to come into the team. You know, Eze is currently being kept on the bench. He might not be quite ready for the Premier League yet. Batshuayi is another one that we kind of thought that would that, that would start. And I think we got a bit excited about about Palace at the start of the season, even though my mind was telling me that, that defensively they're perhaps not good enough. So I think if they're still doing well, they're still winning games, they're still scoring goals, then. 
for seven million, I can see myself being tempted by Zaha, but um, I'm not going to look into my crystal ball just yet um, and, and, and 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 say that I'll definitely be putting in my team. He you know, he isn't for me what Tarek Lamptey is for you. He's not a dead cert for my wild card, um, but I can see myself being tempted, and you know I'd I could make the case him at least being on my radar in a few weeks time if Palace carry on as they are well it's yeah I mean to that end they have got decent fixtures coming up with Palace they're third over the next five game weeks in terms of fixture difficulty um so that's pretty good for them um and yeah like you say I guess um those comparisons I made about players in a similar price bracket the the um the play doesn't go completely through all those players does it yeah like you say if Palace are going to score and do well it's probably going to have something to do with Zaha so it'll be an interesting one I think they've ever Everton at home who are obviously doing well themselves at the moment that'll be an interesting sort of litmus test for Palace there won't it and Zaha um yeah it'll be good it'll be interesting when we review that when we talk about him on the review show to see how that how that's turned out this week yeah yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not one of these people that gets excited about any team after two games. And you know, in the same way, I'm not going to completely bin Man United off after one. But um, but yeah, you know, I'd, 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 I'd want to see a bit more from Palace because you know they, they went ahead you know, fairly early, I think, and, and they didn't exactly sit back, but it was on... Um, it, you know, it was on on on, on United to, to to break them down a bit more, and it didn't really happen. Like you say, the, the penalty for me was I'm not going to get into refereeing decisions, but it was fortuitous, I think, at best. So so yeah, I think that I think I think I think there's 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 definitely I want to see a bit more from them. Um, and and yeah, if, if if they've got a good run of fixtures coming up, then you know, do your job, get 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 a high amount of points out of that. And, and for Zaha, if he really wants a big move. He needs to be blowing these teams away, basically. Um, enough about him. Let's move on. Um, as we uh, as we always kind of round off with our penultimate section on um, on our preview pod, let's talk about captaincy picks for game week three. Um, seems to be, after his performance against Wolves, Kevin De Bruyne being almost the runaway pick this week. Would you agree with that, Andy? Yeah, I mean, it's I think I think it's a tricky one, captaincy this week. A lot of people kind of saying that about KDB that it's an it's an obvious one, but um, I'm 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 really unsure because I mean, not unsure about KDB and his and his quality. Obviously, um, he he looks good, looked good, has looked good consistently over a number of seasons. He looked very good against Wolves in the first game of this season. It, obviously, like we've mentioned, he was playing as number ten. I don't know if that necessarily means he will play number ten permanently though we'll have to wait and see on that and you know hopefully you can talk in a minute because you saw sort of Leicester the Leicester game about about their about their defense but ultimately you know Leicester have shown that they are no no mugs although lack of Wilfred and Didi this week as well again so um because of injury so that that could be a, a big problem and another massive plus for KDB but if he is a little bit more withdrawn um and Foden and Sterling like we spoke about earlier take some of those kind of points um away from away from him maybe then um, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it uh, he's, he's a good option for captaincy this week, right? And I might end up sticking the captain armband on him. I'm just saying, I, I think it's not quite straightforward and as nailed on as, as people might say. Yeah, I think, um, I, I, I take the Leicester, uh, and, and do the injury and understand why that makes KDB, um, more appealing. I equally take yeah, Leicester's defensive performance so far this season has left quite a lot to be desired in my view and I think some of the goals they've conceded have been pretty poor um, equally 
their defence was pretty good last year. And like you say, Leicester are absolutely no mugs. So I can definitely see City not having it all, all their own way against them. And, and I think that's what makes it less cut and dry than, than, than perhaps... Um, and perhaps some people would lead you to believe. Um, we'll quickly then just mention Raheem Sterling as, a, as, a, as another player that therefore could have a really good day. But, you know, for me, they're almost as interchangeable. You'll get some incredible days out of Raheem Sterling. And I'd argue that his ceiling is perhaps higher than Kevin De Bruyne's, but his floor is also definitely almost certainly a, a, a lot lower as well. Probably, presumably in the sense that he, um, you know, he's, he's perhaps more prone to pep roulette than KDB is. Um, Salah is perhaps an interesting one. This week, you know, Liverpool having Arsenal it might make some people reconsider. Um, but equally, you know, Arsenal not exactly known for being the tightest defence, and some of these games usually end up having quite a lot of goals. Andy, so Salah could be quite a fair, quite a fair option for people. Yeah, I think you know, ultimately, Salah is a, is a great player, and the fact they've got Arsenal at home, some people kind of saying Arsenal looked a little bit more solid. I mean, they've played West Ham and Fulham, so let's let's wait and see Arsenal play like a, a better team. But um, you know, Salah's a great player, and he's playing at home, so the fact it's Arsenal, I don't think necessarily takes too much away from his his potential. I think he's 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 maybe a good option. Him or or Mane, similar similarly, um, yeah. It, would you be surprised if Salah scored twice against Arsenal at home? I don't think you, you would, really. So, yeah, an, another good option. Or, and, and actually, the thing on Salah as well is, uh, obviously, he's got decent decent um, fixtures coming up. But having said that, I'm you know I bet you there'll be people listening thinking, well, hang on, KDB is absolutely class as well, and he's got and he's got a home fixture against Leicester, who have equally not looked as, so, so it looked as, as solid. So you, you could apply that theory to them, and I think I think. Um, it, it, I just, I guess, the, just the point I'm making with the comparison between the two is, I think City could equally think City could do well, and I could see KDB or Sterling scoring two goals and not being surprised. Just as I'm not surprised, wouldn't be surprised if Salah scored two goals. But I think the difference is, everyone, almost everyone in the tw- in the FPL community is kind of saying KDB is an obvious stick-on captaincy option, but they're not really saying it so much about Salah for some reason. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think they probably it, that you know. They 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 probably are are good options, but I don't see why that it's it's kind of seems to be you'll say one thing for KDB but not for Salah. But yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, let's let's touch on a few perhaps more left field um more left field options. Uh, yeah, I guess you know, compared to or all, all perhaps left field option if you're not going to captain KDB according to some. Um, but Timo Werner, Chelsea got a good fixture. I feel like after West Brom's defensive performance last week albeit again went down to 10 men Timo Werner might be a uh, might might be a fairly good option this week yeah it's an interesting one isn't it I mean because he's actually you know had a although he's still quite high owned he's had quite a few transfers out um and um obviously as has Havertz um but it yeah he ultimately he's playing he looked very lively in that first game against Brighton obviously we we talked about on the review pod about you know, you can't take too much away from him from that Liverpool performance. So, um, yeah, if if he's playing through the middle again and he gets plenty of touches in the box again against against West Brom, you've got to think that's going to potentially lead to some returns. West Brom without Kieran Gibbs um, uh, and obviously generally just looked uh, not great at the back against against Everton. So, yeah, if if it, it'll be a gamble. I don't. I don't reckon there'll be many people necessarily captaining Werner this week, but it could turn out to be quite a differential pick, like similar to how Calvert Lewin was last week. Yeah, certainly. Um, and again, Everton are a team with 
a, a fairly good fixture this week. We've already mentioned Palace. You know, we say good as in, you know, Palace are obviously doing well, but 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 you know, one that you, if you're an Everton fan at least, you'd expect them to 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 you know to to assert themselves against Crystal Palace. Um, so again, I don't suppose we'd would criticise anyone for picking an Everton asset as potentially a differential pick. And then, you know, we better mention Raul Jimenez as well, because he's another player that, um, you know, knows where the goal is at the end of the day. And 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 you'd like to think, similar perhaps to the argument that I've just made for Zaha, um, a lot of Wolves' goals are likely to come um, through Jimenez in some form, such as his influence on that on that side. Well, yeah, I mean, um, obviously they've got West Ham. Um, he scored two and two. If he can score against City, he can score against West Ham would be the logic, right? And um, he's looked very dangerous. I think, he, yeah, he, he is a good, a pretty pretty decent option there, potentially, yeah. Excellent. Let's round off then with a little game we like to call Who the Heck is Stat? For those that don't know, this is where on alternating weeks, Andy and I each pick a player and we give each other five clues, taking in uh, uh, five opportunities then to guess who that is. If you get it after the first clue, uh, you get five points. After the second clue, four points, so on and so forth. The only rule is that the player you pick has to be owned by at least 5% of FPL managers. Andy, remind me of the standings. Are we level pegging going into um, the second round we, of picking for each other? We are. It is 1-1. One, one. Uh, we, but we've both got it on the final clue so far. Hopefully so, we yeah. can slightly outperform or start outperforming, uh, outperforming that at, at, at the very least. Um, I think that's everything other than just to say to Andy, are you ready for who the heck is stat? Yes, I'm ready. So clue one. This player is in his fifth season in FPL. In his previous four, he's increased his points output every time. Who the heck is Stat? Right. A wry smile for for, 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 for those listeners uh, who obviously can't see Andy's face. Audio mediums never never work in, this, in, in, in these types of uh, in these in these environments, these high pressure environments. Well, yeah, I mean, because like obviously that doesn't tell me a great deal, but fair enough. It's it's the first clue, so I think fifth fifth season is obviously like the 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 thing there, increasing points output. Yeah, so someone who's kind of established themselves um, in the first team. It's hard enough though, just trying to think of someone who's five five seasons. I'm. Oh, well, no, that person wouldn't have had five. Wouldn't be their fifth. I don't think. Okay, let's. This is a little bit, a little bit left field. Maybe would they be five? I think maybe, no. Maybe they'd be actually no. They'd be more than five. So, oh, flipping act. This is tricky. Okay, let's say Ben Chilwell. It is not Ben Chilwell. So clue two. He has started both Premier League games this season, but is yet to complete the full ninety and 13 other players in his position group have played more minutes. Who the heck is Stat? Oh, my God. That is a rubbish clue, Chris. What on earth? Uh, 13 players in his position have managed more minutes. Right, so I'm, all I can take from that is if he hasn't finished either game, but only 13 players have finished, have done, done more minutes, he's been taken off late, in relatively late in, in both games then, probably. So, um, 
a player you might want to protect or to get a round of applause because they've done well or something. Um, Here he goes. Andy says that it's the worst clue, but slowly the logical mind unravels the reasoning behind the clue. I mean, okay. Um, But this person won't have had five seasons, so... God, I'm I'm struggling here with five the five seasons thing. Someone who's um okay, let's say Jordan Ayu. It's not Jordan Ayu. It's a clue three. I don't think you're going to like me for this clue, but never mind. <laughs> His starting price in his four previous seasons increased by 0.5 million each season until this year, where it rose by 1 million to a starting price of 7 million. Oh, wow. So he he was 6 million last year, and then he's gone up 0.5 each at a time. That's quite steady, consistent. Okay, well, I'm going to go for someone then who I almost went for on the first clue, who is seven million. But I thought that they, it, it was unlikely they'd had far, this, that this was their, this person's fifth season. And I'm still not convinced because they're quite young, this person. But I'm going to go for Harvey Barnes. It's not Harvey Barnes. It's a clue four. This player has more bonus points than anyone else so far in FPL this season. Who the heck is stat? Right. Okay. More bonus points than anyone. So players who've done well, obviously like Castagna, we've spoken about, has done well both weeks. Um, Obviously Zaha has done well both weeks. Zaha is 7 million, but then would he have been only 6 at the start of last season and, and like 5.5 the one before that? I don't know, because he moved to United as well, didn't he, under, was it Moyes? So that was a long time ago. So it can't be it can't be him. Who else has done well both weeks? I mean, my man, the postman, but he hasn't he hasn't played five seasons yet, has he? Wolves, this is Wolves, what, third or? I love how second. we've made him the postman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think that's that's uh, that's unique or trademarkable by us. I think uh-huh. plenty of people were calling him that beforehand. I'm but... saying it's unique. It's ours. This is, seven million is a tricky kind of price bracket as well because there's, there's not loads, so I can't think of loads of players springing to mind sort of there. I suppose it could be like a defender, but there's only there's only Andy Robertson and, and Trent, so. It would have to be Andy Robertson because I know Trent was 7.5. Has he been in the... I suppose he played for Hull, didn't he? I was thinking, obviously, Liverpool, but maybe... Okay, right, I'm leaning towards that then. I think we're going to go Andrew Robertson. It's not Andrew Robertson, but I can definitely, definitely see where you're coming from. Unfortunately, you've gone slightly off-piste, but never mind. Let's bring it back round then. But he got... Didn't he get an assist in... I'm sure he got like at least one assist in Liverpool's first game and stuff as well. So I thought he might have done okay on the bonus points I mean, thing. But he might okay. have done, but he doesn't have more bonus points than anyone else in so far in FPL. Mm, okay. So clue five. He is one of only three players to score a Premier League hat-trick so far this season. Well, it won't be Son. Um, 
because he did well in the second week, but not in the first week. So that rules him out. Obviously, DCL's got one. Who's the other player who's got a hat trick? And DCL was seven, did start the season at seven mil. Mm. Uh, who's the other player who's got a hat trick? I need to think about this. Oh, it was Salah, isn't it? Yeah, so they're, 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 well, there you go then. So it has to be Dominic Calvert-Lewin. One point for you, Mr. Case, this week. It was Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Mm. So yeah, he started He started uh, 4.5 million, I think, when Everton bought him. He didn't play many games. I think he got like a handful of points that year, but has slowly increased his output every season since then. And, I'm, uh, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised, yeah. though, even still, that this is his fifth season. I suppose that works out about right, but yeah. I think he's one of them where he's been, he's, you know, Everton bought him very young, didn't they? And he, he was, he was sneaky. So yeah, 17 points in his first season, uh, 88 points, then 92, 126 last year. And yeah, he's already got 25 this season, but yeah, got, got two bonus points in week one with his goal again, with the only goal against Spurs. Um, and then obviously a hat trick in, in game week two gave, gave him three. So yeah, I think he's the only player to, to, to be above three bonus points this year. I'm not, not going to say he's the only player to have got bonus points in both games because that might be wrong. But um, I mean, that was that was a good clue, that one. Uh, obviously, having written some of these for you myself, it, it's, it's tricky, especially this early, to, to find things that are kind of useful kind of clue or good clues. And that's uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the only disappointment I have over my two performances on this game so far this season is that one, really, that I didn't because we've spoken so much about Everton as well, and it didn't kind of occur to me in the moment under the pressure of the spotlight to uh, to think about Everton as having done having done well both weeks. Because I think if I had thought Everton, that would have reminded me straight away of DCL being seven mil. So I might I might have got there. But yeah, that, that, that having slated one of your earlier clues, there you go, Chris. I thought that was a very good one. The bonus. Which, which one. one did you slate? Was it close? Yeah. Which one did you slate? I can't remember now, but it was the. Oh, I don't know, but I slated yeah, one of them. Yeah, fair. Yeah. I mean, to be to, to be fair though, you, I think you, you you take this in a bit more of a logical way than me, and you you do end up thinking about why I pick that clue and what it's telling you. So uh, so yeah, that's definitely something that I that I need to I need to think about. But yeah, I think the other the only thing that I would say about these this week was that I don't necessarily think my clues were sort of equally weighted. I think the first three were quite hard, and then the last two were a bit more revealing, showed a bit more leg, so to speak, um, than the than the others. But but never mind. You then take a very slim lead into game week four, where we will once again play who the heck is that. But until then. You can, as always, interact with us on our social media channels. We are on Instagram and we are on Twitter. We are at FPL underscore lounge. Uh, until then, enjoy game week three. Good luck to all fantasy managers. And Andy, till Tuesday. Thanks for joining us in the FPL lounge. <laughs>